Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. <clears throat> Excuse me, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Reverend Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and this is today's episode 87 of our Truth Tidbits as we continue looking at the scriptures as long as we are able each and every day and see what the Lord will speak to us or say to us. Today I've entitled this, <clears throat> excuse me, Welcome the King. Now, I'm doing uh, several, well, I've got several different series that are up. And so in in different ones, I address different elements of, of this whole season that we are in right now, which is on the Jewish calendar, the Passover season, and on the Christian calendar, the season where we celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus <clears throat> and in the Messianic Jewish understanding, those that believe in Jesus, they understand Passover to be the when Jesus fulfilled that as he was the sacrificed Lamb of God who came to die for the sin of the world. And just as on the 10th of Nisan, the Lamb was always chosen for the family and for the nation, so it was when Jesus rode into Jerusalem on the 10th of Nisan, and then ended up dying on the cross as the Passover lamb for the entire world and for each and every one who will believe. But on the regular calendar, on the Christian calendar, on the Gregarian calendar, today is where when we celebrate traditional Palm Sunday, at least at the day of this taping, not necessarily the day when you hear this message. But the day of this taping is when we would celebrate traditional Palm Sunday on our calendar, remembering that day when they welcomed the king as he rode into Jerusalem on the donkey. So in, ref- in remembering Jesus' first entry into Jerusalem uh, in that day, I want us to look at a few things here. Because I want to read that account. Um, All of the Gospels give some details about that account. But today I'm choosing to read John's account. Now, in the Passover Passion series that I am also doing right now, I have already um, addressed the entry into Jerusalem in in the past episode so far. And I'm going through many, 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 many different things about the Passover season and about how Jesus was the fulfillment of all of these things, how they pointed to him, and just connecting a lot of those dots. And and that's a powerful um, series that God is giving me. I am just being blown away by it. So I hope it's a blessing to all of you. I've also done a Feasts of the Lord series in the past, so you can look that up. And I have covered Passover in in depth. I've covered Unleavened Bread, First Fruits, etc., So today, it's not that I want to really rehash those things at this moment because they are available in other forms. But I do want us to notice a few things about this first triumphal entry, we call it, when Jesus rode the donkey into Jerusalem. And I want us to connect a few things here that we don't typically always think about when we consider Palm Sunday. We usually think about it looking back to what Jesus did. Today, I want us to take it a little bit farther than that 
and also look at the prophetic element and look forward to what may and it, well, what will yet come. It's not a maybe. It's going to happen. It's just a question of when and exactly how all of this is going to be fulfilled. So let's read in John chapter 12, verse 12 and 13 will be kind of our anchor verse for today and for what I want to consider today. In John chapter 12, verse 12, the next day, a great multitude that had come to the feast, we'll talk about that in a moment, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went out to meet him and cried out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. Let's stop right there for a moment. There's a lot that this, these two little verses tell us. These were the people, first of all, we see that they had, at least at the start of this parade, there may, there were probably others that joined in along the way. But when they first began this entry, this parade, and Jesus began into Jerusalem, he was first joined by those, it says, that had come to the feast. What feast is he talking about there? What feast is John telling us about? To understand that, you have to just simply go back to John chapter 12. Verses 1 through 11. And it talks about it here. Now this tells us about a feast that was held most likely in Jesus' honor. It says they made him a supper. Let's read it. Let's just go ahead and read it. And then we'll talk about it. Then six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus was who had been dead. That was recorded for us in chapter 11. You can read about that later. There they made him a supper, and Martha served, but Lazarus was one of those who sat at the table with him. Then Mary took a pound of very costly oil of spikenard, anointed the feet of Jesus, and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, son of son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii and given to the poor? This he said not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box, and he used to take what was put in it. But Jesus said, Let her alone. She has kept this for the day of my burial. For the poor you have always with you, with you always, but me you do not have always. Now a great many of the Jews knew that he was there, and they came, not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might also see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. But the chief priest plotted to put Lazarus to death also, because on account of him, many of the Jews went away and believed in Jesus. Now, that tells us the setting of who these people are when this whole entry begins and they turn it into basically a parade. It's a triumphal entry. So now we know who these people are that, that begin with Jesus as soon as this ride starts. And I've also done a Holy Week series. I called it The Ride in the Rocks. You can look that up in, a pre in last year's Holy Week series where I did a, a special series of messages. And that will give you more details about the ride and some of the things that, that happened and why they happened and those kinds of things. Today I want to focus, though, on 12 and 13 and talk about what this tells us. 
So first of all, let's consider this anointing. There are, there are three accounts that give us anointings of Jesus that were given to him. This is a separate one from the other two. Matthew and Mark both give us details about a different anointing of Jesus. How do we know it's different? Because the text of the scriptures tell us it's different. John tells us here that this was done six days before the Passover or the day before they would um, choose the pet lamb on the 10th and then continue on to the 14th. The other two in the text, in both Matthew and Mark, you will see that those were only two days before Passover. Those were done the day before the preparation day of the Passover, and then, of course, you'd have Passover day. So the text itself tells us that this is not the same anointing. This particular anointing, I assume this was Lazarus's home. Jesus was very prone to stay there. It was like a home away from home when he was close to Jerusalem. And for this final week, we see over and over again where at night he would leave Jerusalem and he went to Bethany. He went and he most likely stayed, we believe, with Mary and Martha and Lazarus. And so he's raised Lazarus from the dead. You can read that in chapter 11. And now in chapter 12, they are making him a great feast in honor. And a lot of people have come over and been invited. And many come, perhaps, that were uninvited, but they were curious and interested. And so now there's this um, these people that had come to the feast. They now hear that Jesus is going to Jerusalem. He's riding into Jerusalem. And so it says that they take branches of palm trees and go out to meet him and cry out, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, the King of Israel. So what's the importance of this? All right. First of all, they went out to welcome him. They were welcoming him. They were inviting him. They were recognizing who he was. They recognized him as Messiah, the King of Israel. The cry that they deliver comes directly from Psalm 118, verse 25 through 26, and it is the messianic cry. When this is delivered to someone, it was reserved to only be delivered to the Messiah. And in the other accounts, you can read how it upset the Pharisees, it upset the religious leaders. Why? Because they recognized this as the messianic cry. And they did not want to accept Jesus as the Messiah. They refused him and rejected him as Messiah, although he was, in fact, the Messiah. And, of course, still is. So, they praise him, they welcome him, they cry out the messianic cry, they recognize him as the king of Israel, and they come out with branches of palm trees. Now, here again, more of this will come clear. If you, if you desire, you can look up the Feast of the Lord's Study for the Feast of Tabernacles. But the Feast of Tabernacles is where they would get the palm branches and so forth, and they would wave them before the Lord. It was a, a time of celebration. And the whole of the Feast of Tabernacles focused on and foreshadowed the coming kingdom when Messiah the King will rule and reign from Jerusalem as king in Israel. 
That's what the Feast of Tabernacles is all about. And so this, they had the right idea. They just had it 2,000 years early. So we're 2,000 years past that then and still awaiting that time when Jesus will, in fact, come and set up his kingdom. We are welcoming him back with this cry. They were repeating this cry. Now, let's talk about what this cry is signifying in terms of the recognition of him being king of Israel with a right to rule on the throne of David, his father. So let's go back and let's first of all find the promise that was given directly to David, his father, in the lineage of the line of Christ. So let's look at it. And it's found in Second Samuel chapter 7. And I want to read verse 12 and 13 to you. God is speaking to David. <coughs> Excuse me. This is a chapter where God is giving the covenant with David. And he says this, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body. And he did. And we're going to see that in just a moment. And I will establish his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Now, he's speaking here about Solomon, but he's also speaking about the seed of David that is to come down the line in the Messiah. It's the promised Messiah that this is talking about. He says, I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. If you go on down to verse 16, you will see it says, And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne shall be established forever. So God is repeating this, that this is an eternal kingdom that he is giving to the son of David. And we're going to continue to see this along the line. Let's see next. Let's look at Psalm chapter 2. There are several of the Psalms that are messianic. Psalm chapter 2 is one of those. There are several. Psalm 45 is another one. Psalm 110 is another, <clears throat> is another one. <clears throat> so today, I want to look at Psalm chapter 2. And I want to read <clears throat> verses 6 through 9. It says this, Yet I have set my king on my holy hill of Zion. I will declare the decree the Lord has said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possession. You shall break them with a rod of iron. You shall dash them to pieces like a potter's vessel. This is the prophetic word in Psalm 2 of the coming king who will sit on the throne of David in Jerusalem, in the holy hill of the Lord, God is going to set him there. And he tells us who he is. I deliver the, I declare the decree. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. You look at Hebrews, um, in the book of Hebrews, he repeats this. He quotes this. He tells us it's speaking of Jesus, the Messiah. He is the promised king from the Old Testament. Then we look at Psalm 45. 
and there are many places in Psalm 45. I'm just going to choose. This is a Messianic Psalm, and I encourage you to read it. But I'm going to choose and just kind of jump through the ones that speak directly about him as king. In Psalm 45, verse 1, it says this, The sons of Korah have written this psalm, and they say this, My heart is overflowing with a good theme. I recite my composition concerning the king. My tongue is the pen of a ready writer. Go on down to 5 and 6. Verse 5, your errors are sharp in the heart of the king's enemies. The peoples fall under you. That's speaking. That's telling us directly about when he returns in Revelation chapter 19, beginning in verse 11. Verse 6, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom. That's pointing us to Revelation chapter 20 when it comes to fulfillment. And this is also spoken of in Hebrews where he ties it to Jesus. Verse 7, you love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than all your companions. Verse 9, king's daughters are among your honorable women. At your right hand stands the queen in gold from Ophir. Verse 11, so the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. Verse 13, the royal daughter is all glorious within the palace. Her clothing is woven with glory, with gold, excuse me. She shall be brought to the king in robes of many colors. The virgins, her companions who follow her, shall be brought to you. So we see the king spoken of here in this messianic Psalm 45. Then let's turn over to Zechariah chapter 6. Verse 12 and 13, then speak to him saying, thus says the Lord of hosts saying, behold, the man whose name is the branch, the Netzar from Nazareth, the town of the Netzar, the branch. It was named from that. We know this to be from Isaiah 11, Jesus Christ, the fulfillment. He is the man whose name is the branch. From his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. Speaking of the millennial kingdom and the millennial temple, he shall bear the glory and shall sit and rule on his throne. So shall he be a priest on his throne. That's because he is after the order of Melchizedek, priest forever, according to Psalm 110. He shall be a priest on his throne, and the council of peace shall be between them both. Then we come over to Luke. We find out, let's, let me look at this one. This is the one that I forgot to mark. But in Luke chapter 1, I'm almost there. In Luke chapter 1, the promise is given to Mary, who we find out in Luke chapter 3 is a legitimate biological descendant from King David through through Bathsheba and David's son, Nathan. And this prophetic word by Gabriel is given to Mary. It says, And behold, you will conceive in your womb, bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus, or Yeshua. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God will give him 
the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall there will be no end. So we see the promise there being fulfilled as well. And then the final place I want to direct your attention to today for this message is in Daniel chapter 7. Daniel chapter 7 verse 13 says this, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man, Jesus the Messiah, coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him, to Jesus, was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed. The point that I'm making in this lesson today is that, yes, we celebrate and we remember what happened then, but we also know that he is coming back. This king has yet to receive the full completion of the promise that has been made about him because he is yet to rule and reign as king forever. The palm branches waving the palm branches when he came was symbolic. They had the right idea. It just happened to be about 2,000 years early at least because we're 2,000 years and still awaiting the day this promise will be fulfilled. And when we know the end time promises that are given to us are going to be fulfilled, we know that because every other promise that God ever said before that has been fulfilled in the past has come and been fulfilled to a T, exactly like God said. So that way we can trust that even though this is yet in the future for us, it is coming. So my point is, this welcoming cry. I, I, I woke up this morning and I just began to think about the Palm Sunday and I began to think about the, the cry that they delivered. And then I saw it in a fresh light because I went, and I prayed this this morning. I said, Father, let that cry resound from the earth today as we welcome the king back to this earth to come and rule and reign. I want to read a couple of quick places to you as I draw to a close. <clears throat> Excuse me. The first one is Revelation chapter 22, verse 17, and it says this. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God is what it means there. It's the capital Spirit. And the Bride, that's us, say, come. And let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirst come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. Jump on down to verse 20. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. That's Jesus speaking there. And the response, Amen. Even so come, Lord Jesus. We want to make that cry applicable today. Jesus even made the point of bringing out this fact, especially for the Jewish people, because they rejected him the first time as a whole. 
the nation, the leadership. Many have come to faith in Christ. The, the whole of the early church started out and they were all Jews. And later, more and more Gentiles began to be saved. And today, God is doing a mighty work and saving even more Jews and Gentiles all over the globe. Out of every nation, tribe and tongue and people group, praise be to God for that. We're living in days of prophetic fulfillment, and it is exciting. But Jesus makes this decree, and he says this in Matthew chapter 23. I'm going to read verses 37 through 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This is after his triumphal entry. And he's telling them, you're going to say it again. You're going to cry out this to me again. So my plea today is that the earth, that we would all over the earth resound with this cry, welcoming him, urging the coming of the Lord, urging him on. That day is approaching very, very quickly. And we need to be ready and we need to be watching for it. The king is coming. And I pray that beginning with this very day from now on, we will welcome him home. We will welcome him here. We will resound with this messianic cry. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Baruch haba b'shem Adonai. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Even so, come, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Let that be your cry today. Let that be my cry today and every day forward until we see him come again and he begins to receive his just due and be able to ascend his throne that has been promised him and we enter the everlasting kingdom that the feast of tabernacles prophetically foreshadowed for us praise be to god thank you lord i pray that 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 your heart draws with mine and we cry out that message to the lord even this very day not just in remembrance of his first coming and his first triumphal entry. But now, urging for that second one. Coming, blessing him to welcome him to come again quickly. Even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. I pray this is a blessing to you. And Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of Truth Tidbits. God bless you today in Jesus' name.